Podcast world, what's up? Chad Belding back at you. The Foul Life, the Wild Foul Gear Issue Series is back with you right now. So far, you've heard a little bit about different parts of the gear issue that you're going to be able to see when you open the Bible of Duck Hunters, the Bible of Goose Hunters up. We've gone through so many different parts of it. I'm excited about today's part. Again, I have Skip Knowles. He's been everything to the Outdoor Sportsman's Group and currently is a brand manager, editor-in-chief. I don't really know all of his titles, but Skip, welcome back. How are you, brother? Very good, man. Happy, happy holiday weekend to you. It's great to be back here. Yes, sir. I'm excited because I know that my gear issue is supposed to be here today. So I'm anxiously, anxiously awaiting the mailman, even though a lot of our mail people are on a hiatus with COVID. But also today joining us, y'all have heard him here before on the podcast, Chris Cifrio, co-founder, owner of Jargon Game Calls right out of Northeast Arkansas, close to Memphis, Tennessee, close to Stuttgart, right in the holy land of Mallard Ducks. The Mallard Duck capital of the world, the I-40 corridor is what splits the Grand Prairie and where Chris hunts up north of I-40. I don't know what that part of Arkansas is called, but Chris is a master machinist, a master designer, and absolutely has designed the best duck calls known to man in the last 25 years. That's just my humble opinion. We're part of the wildfowl game issue, and that's why we're a gear issue, and that's why we've invited Chris to come on today and talk duck calls. We're going to get into a bunch of it. Chris Cifrio, welcome, my brother. Oh, hey, man. How you doing? Glad to be back, too. How's Arkansas? Is it humid down there? I heard uh, it's I thirty. Extremely humid right now. Yesterday, uh, I did a podcast with Chris Aiken for a Yukonuba series. We're getting ready to start, and he and he said he trained yesterday and he couldn't even breathe. Well, I saw Freddie King coming down the road yesterday. We, I pulled into the neighborhood over here, coming down the road, and Freddie King was coming down the road, and he had a shirt off. <laughs> did he really? Yeah, right without a shirt off going down the road, you know. Is that uh, was that motiv- was, was that motivation to get out of that drive through line, Chris, or what? <laughs> hey, I've been I've been diving. I lost <laughs> I think twenty pounds now. So. I love you, Freddie. I haven't seen you forever. As far as I know, you probably look like Schwarzenegger right now. Oh, I don't dude, know. He's, he's he's one person that I know that can go in. He can get ripped and he'll go back down. He goes through little cycles, but we you all know, do. he works hard. So, you know, it's hard to stay on it whenever you're working on a hard dog training. Yeah, I, uh, it's hard for anybody, man. It's hard for anybody. Those dogs sure don't gain weight when they're running in that Arkansas heat and humidity, though. But today, we're what, what we're doing, Chris, is we're working with Wildfowl Magazine, the brand of Wildfowl, and what it means to the American, the Canadian duck hunter. How it's become a the, the gospel, if you will, of 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 articles of great writers, of great stories, and gear issues, and gear reviews, and tech tips, and pro tips, and um, riders go out on hunts and they get behind the scenes look at duck camp and how gear is working and uh, it might be a song around a campfire it might be a dog issue whatever wildfowl has been there done that and they've always been there for the american canadian waterfowl hunter so this year we're doing a little series to uh to put into perspective how special the gear issue really is and what it means to a duck hunter goose hunter when that mailbox is opened or they see it on their newsstand and they actually have it in their hands and they open it up and they see the boats and the motors and the guns and the ammo and the camo and the blinds and the the waders and the apparel and and today we're talking about duck calls we're talking about an apparatus that you attribute of being one of the most important parts of a duck hunt 
not only to loc not only to to entice ducks to get their attention to keep them interested in your hunting spread and what you're trying to achieve but but the duck calls a lot more than that especially in the state where you're from where you you're from louisiana but you live in arkansas now uh, we've talked about it and skip i want you to think about this is that in in arkansas the flooded timber is, in my opinion, I've, I've seen so many airplane shots and helicopter shots and drone shots of the timber. You, you can't see down in there real good. You don't, there could be ducks in those trees that you might never see a flash. Okay. So it, it, especially on a cloudy day, right? You might not see a flash. Spinning wing decoys are illegal on public areas in Arkansas and WMAs. You can still use them privately. Um, jerk rigs are always a good thing. Getting in a current is always a good thing. But Arkansas as a whole, in my opinion, the reason why most of the best duck callers known to man in the history of duck hunting and duck calling hail from the state of Arkansas is because skip, are you listening? This is, it is an audio state. Those ducks are coming off of those rice fields. They sleep in the rice. And when they approach that timber, they're listening for rafts of ducks. They're listening for chatter. They're listening for greeters and hills. And a lot of times, as proficient as duck callers are in Arkansas, you might have four, five, six, seven, eight of them at a time emulating a raft of ducks. Chris, is it fair to say that Arkansas is built around the audio sounds and the vocalizations of a mallard duck? Absolutely. I mean, you know, like we talked about the previous episode that I did, you know, I think truly, yes, you got to have – your, you know, real tree timber camouflage. You got to have your, all your gear that you need, a boat, a motor, you know, all that stuff, you know, attributes to your hunt. But the biggest factor in a hunt, if you go sit in the woods, yes, you can put out decoys, but how many times have people said, hey, look, you can go in the timber and not fry decoys. And we've done it before to where you just blow a call and they're coming through the trees. They're coming to that sound. They're seeking out that sound. So, you know, there's other places here that you can get open fields and stuff like that. That's just straight open rice field, but it's still, you still have to be able to be proficient on a duck hall to be able to lure them in and get them within gun range, you know, but in the timber, you have to be able to be proficient on a duck hall, you know, and the more proficient you are and the more guys that can blow a duck hall, like you said, seven or eight good guys that can get on a duck hall. There's holes that we get in that everything is traffic. And we are blowing a duck call to the top of them, trying to get as loud as we can possibly can get. And a lot of our sounds that we make close up does not sound like birds. But when you start getting far off, like Joel, Joel was off in the woods blowing one time and he was, and you said, man, that sounds like you hear him. It sounds like a raft of birds over there. And that's what we're trying to do at the end of the day. We're just trying to get their attention. If we can get their attention nine times out of 10, we're going to be able to break those ducks and break them down and get them within gun range, make a good kill. And Skip, you've been to Arkansas. I've been with you in Arkansas. Isn't it an amazing, um, the the just the aura, what it means to be in those woods when you're with some guys that are from that area and they are so proficient on a duck call, most of them being the single read, which we're going to get into single read, read and a half, double reads today. But Skip, talk to me. Like you've, you've been there, you've seen mallards break the trees and come down into a decoy spread, but hearing those vocalizations is amazing in Arkansas, isn't it? 
It's unbelievable how it resonates through the timber. The whole time you feel like you're going to Mecca when you're there. From It's such an immersive experience. Everything, the culture, the food, the boat ride is just something I'll never forget. But I remember it's really interesting, Chad. I already learned something on this podcast. The first time I went down there, I think, was with RonQuest. And I remember that there was a lot of the kind of calls that Chris was talking about that didn't sound like a duck real good up close. And they were just loud. And it made noises like a train, chugga, 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 chugga. And they'd uh, be calling when there were no ducks in the sky, just kind of trolling. I'd never seen any of that. The, the volume they call, the relentlessness with, with which they call, and they're making that kind of white noise to imitate a raft of ducks. No one told me exactly why, but now it makes a lot of sense listening that the, the ducks are out there hunting audio, not just uh, responding to you know one hunter looking at them and calling. Yeah, so and we, I would. Uh, I heard Chris Aiken say in a previous podcast that he won't go hunting without his dog. And I know Chris, I talked about Chris Cifrio, who's on this podcast. Now I bragged about Chris's dog, Lexi, which is a slick dog, which is a dog that was owned by Chris Aiken. And we talked about his dog boomer. And we, we talked about what that bond means. Well, this bond exists between not just Arkansas and, and Arkansas duck hunters, but it, the, the women's world, the chick Sophie, the Arkansas state, the world duck calling championships, the world team championships, the wings over the Prairie festival, Max Prairie wings, Stuttgart, the rice capital of the world, the duck calling capital of the world, the Mallard duck capital of the world. But then you spread all of that influence out. Cause when I go to Arkansas, like what you just touched to on skip was the culture of what you get. And then you get back to where you're from. It might be Boise, Idaho. It might be the Butte Sink of California. And you start to immerse yourself more into what you learn where duck hunting is truly religion. It truly is religion in Arkansas. So the reason I wanted to start with the Arkansas is that some of the greatest call companies known to man, you know, the Rich and Tones and the Echoes, and and hopefully this one we're talking about today gets on that level someday. But there's so much proficiency in the state of Arkansas when it comes to the vocalizations. And I'll end it by saying that bond between that hunter and dog and like chris aiken who owns web-footed kennels in arkansas says he'll never hunt ducks without any hunted 62 days last year 60 day regular season and the two youth days um the bond is the same with the duck call a lot of duck hunters myself included even though i'm not as not even anywhere near chris and he'll probably tell you that seven to 15 times today on the podcast um he i i will not hunt without my duck call and I've always been that way. I don't want to annoy people with it, but I want to see that reaction. And Chris will tell you a story where last year this mallard flew by and I hit him. I just happened to hit him with the perfect note skip. And Chris looked at me and goes, did you see that? And that duck would have never, ever came down in those trees if it wasn't for what, Chris? A duck call. Yep. Yeah, it's the, it is true. That's what's so gratifying when you do get in the woods. That's why I like hunting traffic. When you're in hunting traffic, you hunt birds that are not supposed to be or not coming where you are and you're just shortstopping them and you break these ducks down that are say, you know, a couple hundred yards up in the air, whatever, half mile, quarter mile, whatever, how high it is. It's just so gratifying to put them down on the water. Now, a lot of people will get them and they'll get them on the treetops. And, and, you know, we've talked about that before as far as, you know, treetop and stuff like that. I want to put them on the water. I want their feet to get wet. And the reason why is because it's like, hey, I've killed plenty of ducks. You have. There's a lot of people who's killed a ton of ducks. The gratifying part is, is to fool them and to make them think that I was a raft of birds down there. So um, it's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent of. I, I'd say it's 
I don't know if there's anything more gratifying. I know seeing a kid kill its first duck, he or she, a one-year-old dog retrieve, an eight-year-old dog retrieve, that stuff is all awesome. Um, and it's a, everything is, that's why duck hunting is so neat of all of the different pieces of this puzzle. And I always talk about, you have this blank canvas in front of you and we're all artists in our own way. People are blessed with different skill sets. Chris is an artist with machinery and duck call design. Skip is an artist with his pencil and his pen and his typewriter, like Nancy Bates in the misery movie when she's breaking <laughs> that dude's legs. Um, I'm an I'm an artist in my opinion in 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 singing in the shower and freestyle rap. But we all have our own place in society. But a duck calling and all of these all of these oils that you start throwing at that blank canvas and duck hunting, duck calling, boat rides, sunsets, coffee pots, wet dogs, the 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 knife and the in the butchering and the processing and the cooking and Mr. Billy and and duck camp. And then you haven't even started talking about the decoys and the camo and the jackets and the technology. I mean, there's so many pieces of this puzzle that you have to become pretty much eaten up with to become consistently successful at it. It's not easy. No hunting's easy except turkey hunting in Kansas, but there's nothing easy about duck hunting at all. So my point is, is that that duck call and having it in your hand and being able to work with a team of callers in that blind and in those woods and in that marsh, I just, it's, 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 it's as gratifying as having Lexi go get a triple with one of them being crippled and and getting on a diver and, and bringing back all three mallards. It's that's the duck calling is a huge part hunting. So let's make sure that we all agree as people are listening to this, I don't want them to think, oh, that's not true, that you don't have to be a great duck caller to be a great duck hunter, and you're 100% right. You do not even know how to operate a duck call to enjoy a duck hunt. I know lots of people that aren't very proficient that love going, but all I'm saying is that it is so gratifying once you work, and I'm, I'm 45, and I started blowing religiously at 27, And I still pretty much suck. So that tells you how hard it is. And I practice a lot. And I'm not saying that I suck, suck, but compared to the good callers that like John David and Chris and Jim Ronquist and John Stevens and, and the guys that Rick Dunn and these guys that have done it, I'm nowhere near the ducks that they have. Skip, when you hear this guy on this podcast, Chris work all these different ducks. And I don't know if he'll be able to do it today with the audio, but he has so many different characters in his arsenal and that's what's cool is that it's and he's doing all of this conversing and all it is is a negotiation with that flock of ducks over those trees. And once those ones higher than the ones over the trees, see the ones over the trees, then those ones sell and they break down. And then all of a sudden 13 turns into 40 and then 40 is 150. And then all of a sudden that blue sky in Arkansas is just full of what Arkansas has become known for mallard ducks over flooded trees with a bunch of duck hunters up against a tree. Maybe one of them, two of them has a red man in their mouth. One of them might talk funny and not have a lot of teeth. And there's just this beautiful essence of duck hunting in that part of the country. So I wanted to make sure that people understood that you don't have to be the best in the world to understand what we're talking about here. It's just gratifying when you do pick it up and you learn something new every day. And at 45, I'm learning new notes, new cadences, new inflections, everything. And now I I can't wait to see Chris in person, Skip Knowles, because I honestly think that I have two new ducks in my arsenal, a flat quack duck and a high pitched, you know, a young duck um, that Chris will get into today. So 
that's what I love about it is that you're negotiating with wild animals. It's just like bugling or call calling, calling an elk in or goblin or cutting a turkey. It's like calling a, you've been predator hunting with Terry, Terry Demon at Mojo, seeing a predator charge a call from a mile away. There's, there's, it's just, calling animals is awesome, but there's something different when there's 40 of them with two eyes each and you're trying to hide and work them into this, sh- this water that's supposed to look real. So let's just make sure that everybody knows Chris and Skip that we don't all have to be pros but this conversation this podcast of the wild fowl gear issue duck call edition is chris what do we tell our duck callers that might be new to this they might want to know well what should i get can i go buy a 29.99 polycarbonate injection molded call and does that is that the same as getting a daisy cutter a short barrel at rich and tone or a small talk at jargon or or, or a call from rick dunn at a custom call so I want to, I want to go through some of this. Skip's going to have some questions. When we go into a dealer, a retailer, a lot of calls are bought online. How in the heck do you buy a call online, Chris? You can't touch it. You can't put it in your lips. Does it feel good on your lips? Does the mouthpiece mean anything? So I know I'm rambling, but I'm so excited about this because I'm going to get better. And look at this thing right here. This is called the deal pickle. No, I'm not calling you a pickle skip, but that is the deal pickle jargon that we just did a photo shoot with that's going on sale for this weekend and it's absolutely amazing and the best part about it is that it's so realistic with the gut system and the tone board that chris has built into him so let's get into it chris what should be the a couple things that a potential customer in consumer is thinking about as he or she goes and looks for her their duck call for this upcoming duck season the main thing that, I mean, all duck calls out there, they can make a duck sound. The biggest difference between a, say, a cheaper call versus a custom call, a true custom call is, is that a custom call, you know, we're going to take and go through the ropes of making sure that that call can get a boss in, can get a fine hand, can get a coarse hand, can get a raspy hand, can get all these different ducks out of it. With the, an advanced call, if you're proficient on a duck call and if you can blow a duck call and you truly want to learn, you know, a hundred percent. It's like taking, say, for instance, this, and I'm just going to refer this to like, say golf. I used to play golf when I was young. There was a club called a blade. A blade was basically a sweet spot with very, very, very small sweet spot on that club. If you didn't hit that club perfectly, if you didn't hit that ball directly on that sweet spot, you were basically going to shank it or, or whatnot or, or slice it. So that being said, it's the same thing on a, uh, a custom call. A custom call can at first be intimidating to blow because it's more advanced, but it's got so many more ducks in it versus say a cheaper call. Now there's great cheaper calls on the market that's offered, but they're not nowhere near what a custom call is. They're not taking every single one of them and picked up and blown and try to get the whole range of that call from top to bottom. So um, that's the biggest difference in that. That's what I tell people to look at. You know, the main thing you want to do is if if you're really, truly, uh, you know, uh, one to be the best you can possibly be on a double call, I tell people don't buy a crutch, don't buy a double read, buy a single read. A single read is going to give you that much more, and it's going to make you open that throat. It's going to make you blow that hot air. A double read is basically giving you a, as a crutch of making you to where you don't have to blow, you know, cold air. That's a great point. And and talk on that for a second, because a double read is less, it's more forgiving. It's less versatile and it's easier because of what you're saying. You don't have to have your throat and your tongue and the fatty tissues of your mouth and your everything working together and in the right position all the time. So 
it's almost like why develop bad habits when your goal is to advance. Now, are you going to kill ducks with a double read? Yes. But to be a master and to be a perfectionist, you're not going to sound exactly like a raft of hen mallards mixed in with drakes with a double read, in my opinion. Some could argue that. And some are going to say I've had a ton of success and I would never say that they couldn't. But why? I agree with you when you said don't start with a crutch, start and learn the right way to do it from the beginning. It's almost like, why would you, if you're a left-hander, why would you go try to hit a baseball right-handed first, right? Start with what you're good at. And if you become a switch hitter in the day, do it. But that, that you don't start on a double read and develop any bad habits because you're going to take the way you're calling into that double read, which is less for, or more forgiving. And you're going to attribute that to your single read. And it's not going to sound anywhere near right. right. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I, I can tune, I never in the shop will take and tune, say, loud mouth, small talks, and then jump over to an icebreaker. If when I go to icebreakers or double read, I'm going to take a, a pause and I'm going to basically go and get something to drink or have lunch or whatever. And then I'm going to come back and let my mind reset. And the reason why is because it's tuned totally different and it's got a different air presentation. So when you go and it's just like what our say or chit chat. You take a chit-chat, which is a single read. If I blow a chit-chat and I've tuned 20 chit-chats or 50 chit-chats and I jump over to a small talk, I'm like, hold on a second. This just don't sound right to me. But then I'll reset my mind and I come back to it and it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, so that's why it's always good to have somebody in the shop because then you can hand it off to somebody that had not been blown a call and then along and say, hey, is this right? You know, because again, I want every call that goes out of the shop to be able to be full range. But like you said, what the double read and the single read is, is that you know, I've always told people that is, is, is if you really want to learn and you want to be the best you can possibly be, get a single read from the beginning. But there's guys that go on the weekends and they pick up their duck hall basically the day of duck season. They just don't practice. And, and that's OK. That's fine. Uh, but for guys that want to be more advanced, to want to be able to get a fine course raspy boss hen and be able to get all these ducks and be able to get all these different feeds out of it. They need to be choosing a single read. And they need to, if they're going to start off slow, I truly suggest getting the chit-chat because the chit-chat's going to make you open that throat at first. You can blow into a small talk and get rasp out of it. I mean, just blowing into it, it's got rasp, okay? But on a on a chit-chat, you're going to have to open that throat. And then you can basically hear right here. It's not, the read is not rattling nearly as much. So you have to open that throat. I don't know if you can hear me on audio, but um, the chit chat's got a smaller bore. It's got more back pressure to it. So it is a very user friendly single read, you know? And, and there's a lot of, no matter if it's a rich in tone, a field proven uh, at Echo, like we've talked about, there's so many good duck call manufacturers that are on the market. They're heroes Absolutely. of ours here at Butch Rickenbach and the things that got the, these duck call makers have been doing for years. Um, and that's, there's so many to choose from. And you made a statement right there and I don't know if Skip caught on to it, but you said you have to reset your mind then why does somebody have five different duck calls on their lanyard when they're in the woods or when they're in the marsh? Do you have to, is it one for the long ducks? Is it closer than you grab this one? And it, because now you're telling me that you can't really do that because you got to, this one's not going to sound right. If you just switch from this call to this call, because you got to reset your mind. Do you hunt with one call? Can a, a, a newbie getting into it and reading their wildfowl gear edition right now, can they go get one call and be okay for the 2020, 2021 duck season? Or do they have to have three or four of them on their lanyard with double loops on all of them? 
to be honest, if I'm hunting, I'm going to have different calls on my lanyard. When I get there, I'm going to basically evaluate how the ducks are reacting. You know, if it's, if all of a sudden, like say last year, we were in the timber, the wind was blowing 90 to nothing. You remember? Yeah. And all those birds were coming in. So we said, Hey, look, we need to get louder. We need to get more aggressive. So we pulled up the small talk. And I think even a loud mouth and we were blowing that call. But with, uh, if I get into that situation and the, all of a sudden it becomes stale or, you know, it's real humid and it's, it's just one of those days that everything's just still, I'm going to have my chit chat on the lander. I'm going to evaluate. The thing about it is, is we all know the weatherman here lately will, is really never right. Okay. So you can only take their, what their, their uh, weather prediction is with a grain of salt. But so that's why whenever we get out there, we got to evaluate the situation and say, okay, this is what I need to pick up today. And this is what I need to blow. If I'm blowing a certain call that day, nine times out of 10, I'm going to finish with that call. I'm going to continue to blow it. And the reason why is because you, as you blow a call, you start, you can take a call that's tuned tight or what I say tight is basically a longer read, or you can take a call that's tuned a little bit light. Once you start blowing that call, you'll get used to it. Your, your body gets used to it. Your brain gets used to that pressure and you'll adjust yourself to be able to blow that call to say, if, Hey, look, you know, if that call is exactly how you want it, I always tune my calls when I hunt a little bit longer read, a little bit more pressure to push into it because I get excited and I want to start blowing and I'll blow over the call. So, uh, you know, all those come into effect whenever you're out in the timber. I want to get in, I want to get into those about what comes into effect. I want to say, Skip, do you have anything to ask Chris before a meteorologist knocks him off for saying that all weathermen suck? I hope we don't have no friends that are with them. <laughs> Skip's uncle's a meteorologist for weather oh, weather geez. weather channel, dude. It is dude. the it is the easiest job in the world. It might rain tomorrow. All right, y'all have a good night. Skip, yeah. do you have anything to add? I thought I thought I saw you getting a little inquisitive up there, Skip. Oh, I'm always inquisitive. I'm a journalist and a generalist and not an expert at anything, but First of all, I want to know, Chad, why do you need a duck call? Because that was a pretty good piece of mouth calling you did back there. It oh, sounded compliment. Better than my, did you hear that, Cifrio? <laughs> it sounded better than my duck calling. <laughs> but, uh, and also, I, I loved how you were so into describing the equipment and everything. You were like, uh, it's, you, you started a little rhyme there. It's like, it's it's the guns, it's the ammo, it's the camo. It was pretty funny. But Now, the, the number one thing, that's a really cool thing about I always thought the beginner should start out with a double read because it's easier. It's more forgiving. Um, and to say, you guys say, skip that process. It was really interesting. It's an eye opener. Uh, I could have maybe saved a few years, um, before I got even plottingly mediocre, but, um, Chris, I want to know, like, so beginner opens up, you talked about some of the characteristics of calls and we're going to get into more of that stuff. And I want to ask you how people learn to tune calls down the road too. But the fundamental thing I want people to walk away from this with is how do you begin to start to know what you need when you open up? The wildfowl gear issue, it's so exciting. The calls are, they're works of art in themselves. You guys came up with a new shape after all these hundreds of years of designs. You came up with a new look and they're just beautiful. The little short, fat KES calls are all different, um, but it's overwhelming. How, what would you say, Chris, to someone who just wants to get into duck hunting? You already said, start with the hard one, skip the crutch. I never thought it was a double read as a crutch. It's really interesting. Um, but out of all the dozens and dozens and dozens of calls, how do you even begin to pick one? As a yeah, no, that that is a hard point. Uh, that's a good point you bring up because there is a lot of time. You open a magazine up 
you look through it, you're like, you know what, I want to get into duck hunting. And you look through it and you're like, what one do I choose? And that's why on our descriptions, we try to make it as blankly as possible to where, hey, look, this is what you need. This is what you're hunting. This is what you need. We try to. That's why in our descriptions, we'll say, hey, look, single read. You know, this is a wedge design. This is a loud call. This has got medium hold. And, you know, some people, that's jargon to people of, hey, talking about hold in a duck call. You know, what is hold? What is back pressure? That's a lot of stuff that some people don't understand, you know, and it's kind of hard to make them understand until, you know, and it's kind of hard to describe it if they don't know. And that's why they should tune into podcasts like this. They should get as much information as they possibly can before making purchases on waders, hats, shotguns, all that stuff. But on a duck call, say, for instance, I always tell people, like I said, if you're truly committed and you want to learn how to blow that duck call, straight up look at single reads only. Don't even try to look at double reads. Not saying double reads are not good calls. You just want to be looking at a single read because that's going to, from the beginning, is going to make you open your throat. So then you take and you say, okay, well, let me try not to get an extreme open bore. You never want to, when you're trying to learn how to blow a duck hall, look at the end of the exhaust and have an extreme open bore. And I've got one somewhere right here. Actually, i got another one in my pocket. But um, I carry this one around. This is a loud mouth right here. But I try not to make it, and I don't know if y'all can see this, but I try not to make it to where it's an extremely open bore because this call is going to have little to none back pressure on it. All the pressure is going to be on the tone board, designed into the tone board. But then you take this single read right here, which is a chit-chat, and you can obviously see the difference in the tone board. This call right here is going to be more forgiving. This is going to give you more back pressure. What back pressure is, is that that's what gives back to you. When you blow into the call, it pushes back at you the whole time. That read comes down and that air goes back at you. That's going to make it more forgiving. That's what a double read does. A double read takes and you're putting a read on top of it, and it's going to create more back pressure to where when you blow into it, it's giving back to you, okay? So go ahead. Yeah, tell, them, tell them what you mean by open your throat. People talk about blowing through their diaphragm. They describe it different ways. That's pretty much what you're talking about, really loading the call with your – what do you mean by open your throat for someone who doesn't – just just how you walk up to a window and you fog a window when it's cold outside and you walk up to it, if you're opening your throat real, real wide, your base of your throat and blowing hot air onto that window to fog it. You're not taking and blowing into a call like you're actually emphasizing a word. And I always tell you the people either hut or oot. That's going to give you the hottest air. Chris, can I say something on that real quick? Just uh, yeah. a, te- a test that people can do, Skip. And Skip, do you have do you have yeah. um, Kleenex next to you right now, Skip? Do you have a box of tissue? Because you always make me cry. So well, I, I know. Well, do you have some? Yeah, I do. Okay, put a piece on your hand flat like this. <laughs> what do you mean? A piece of tissue, just a regular piece of Kleenex. Every there you go. Everybody, <laughs> list, everybody listening, get a piece of tissue. It's got to be a very, very light piece of tissue, not a heavy paper towel. Okay, so picture that on a wood table with a, with a, a pretty smooth surface. It's on Skip's hand if you're not watching this on YouTube, which you can tune in anytime on YouTube and watch this if you're just listening to it. So, Skip, you're turning, you're, tur- you're about to turn 55, right? It was at 56, 55. So, <laughs> it feels like it. It feels like it might happen to you. Yeah. Let's say you got all 55 of your birthday candles that are covering that tissue. 
blow it out for me real quick. You would make a small hole and just small hole and blow, and right. it'll fly across the room. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're if you're if you are what Chris is talking about, and Chris can correct me if I'm wrong, is introducing and pre- presenting air into the call is different than just blowing. It's almost like being a great singer. You don't sing from your cheeks, right? You sing from your diaphragm and your stomach, and you sing with passion. So if you if you hit that Kleenex, that piece of tissue with a duck air, a hen mallard air, it will not. It'll just flutter a little bit. You don't blow. So if Chris is going, like if you're. Like, yeah. yeah, see, see how if you're cleaning off your mom's window or if your Oakley sunglasses get dirty and you got to breathe on them to clean them during a duck hunt, Chris, right? That Kleenex should not move across that table or off of your hand if you're presenting hen mallard air. Is that fair to say, Cifrio? Yeah, it's just going up. And if you lodge the Kleenex, the air goes underneath the Kleenex and pops it up and pops it down. Pops just like it a reed. Pops it down. It actually blew it open like it, like a pillow. It's funny. <sighs> well, if you take it. And he always says, take it. He's done it before where you put it on a table and you blow hot air. It'll pick it up off of it. That hot air will get underneath it. And that's what I always tell people is, is that the air that you're putting in a duck hall is down from below. It's not on top. It's not across your tongue. I guess you could say your air is still coming across your tongue, but it's like it's down below. And it's everything in your throat and your diaphragm. It should never be puffy cheeks, always cheeks in. You call in and I always tell people a lot of times if you're trying to blow hot air, don't sit there and put the call just up to your lips like this. Try to put the call and cover the call like that. And that way you're not having any kind of air gaps coming around your thing. It's just straight air. You and just try first off starting off just to get a quack, 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 quack. And once you get a quack down and you get that quack perfected, you can start extending those notes, extending them a little bit more, 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 and you start getting the cadence, you know? It's all about sitting there and putting that, just that, that popping air. And it's not sitting there, a lot of people take and they'll sound like a rubber band. And the reason why they sound like a rubber band and what a rubber band does, what do you do? When you hit a rubber band, it bounces back at you, right? You want your, your notes to be fluent to where they're just going out and the one's behind it, one's behind it, one's behind it's, it. It's almost, it's almost like the, the call, the apparatus becomes your beak. And when you suck in, you can't, you're not going to hear anything. When your air hits and presented to the reed is when you get your sound. So those pops become of more of just following up like what Chris is saying of one big burst of air. Like if you went (laughs) so that that's, what's producing that sounds that tight air coming through that throat. If you, if you walk up to your best buddy in the duck blind, you punch him in his stomach and he, Oh, and he tries to tell you a secret. Now, Chris, I need, I, Chris, Al, Chris, I, eh, that's how a hen mallard talks. She, she loads up her diaphragm or a coyote howls or an elk bugles. They go, a coyote goes, arr, 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 like he just got punched in the stomach. A hen mallard goes, and that air is coming from that locked in diaphragm traveling up your guts into your chest where it reaches your lungs and gets its power then it comes into your throat where it hits this little muscle called the larynx that larynx is the muscle that 
gets that hot air on that window and you write your name on a cold winter day in December when you're going Christmas shopping with your mom or you're trying to clean off your sunglasses like we alluded to before. So now that air's in that throat and it hits that larynx and then it gets past that larynx and now it comes up to the opening of the throat, the back of your mouth and the, the roof of your mouth is shaped like this for those watching this podcast. Okay. The tongue is shaped in the exact same uh, shape and the tip of the tongue is anchored behind your bottom teeth where your gum line meets your teeth and you bridge it like you got one of those 25 cent gumballs underneath your tongue and it's bridged over it so the air is coming up in between the tongue and the roof of your mouth over the tongue down the tongue through your pierced lips into that call where it hits and activates that reed that mylar reed to bounce with that hot air like that kleenex if you puff your cheeks it goes around this way it goes around this way it's going over the tongue and that pierced lips is getting hit with a bunch of what you call hollow weak air that you start to get the kazoo sound and it's not a duck that that air has to stay like you're singing from your diaphragm when axel rose she's got a smile that it seems to me reminds me of childhood he's singing from his stomach man the best singer of all time right you can't do that from your cheeks so you i, I mean i can't i can't anyway in my singing lessons 11 years in classical music i i learned how to sing from my stomach so what i'm saying that's a joke i didn't have to take i only took 12 i took 10 years chris um so that those pops of air are coming up and they're going like this, Skip, up, th up, th over the tongue, down the tongue, through the pierced lips, and the, the tongue's going like this. Chris, watch. And it's cutting it off. It's one continuous stream of air. You're not going, you're going, and you're popping your tongue. That's a great explanation. Like you said, with the air, that's exactly what your throat's doing is it's closing it's just letting air through and then closing, closing, closing. And whenever you're, you're getting that that real deep, you know, boss hen or raspy hen, that's exactly what I'm doing is in the back of my throat, that is opening it up. And a lot of people say, well, hey, look, I don't understand what you mean about opening your throat up. And we've talked about that before. Where It's you're hard. Song. It's very hard. Let's not make it a it secret. Is. It's hard. But there's a lot of guys that I come up to and I'm like, hey, look, they'll, they'll sing a country song that it's got a rural deep voice. The guy's, you know, singing in rural deep voice, and then you got somebody that's real high pitched. Try to sing a, a female artist versus a male artist. You know, a lot of people try to imitate what the sound is off of radio. You always try to imitate Isn't their sound. Isn't that crazy how people do that? That Faith Hill comes on. Why won't you just sing it like a man, but you try to get all high pitched like Celine Dion and shit, and you're like, what exactly. am I doing? If people could see me right now, I'd be laughed out of this Pinto that I'm driving. But that's exactly what it is. Everybody does that, and that's how you're opening and closing your throat. Yep. And that's a big part. That's how part. I'm getting a fine hand. And if you think about another another um, big time popular goo or calling is short read goose calling. And everybody always goes, Belding, how do you blow so many notes on one breath? And I, and they think I'm going, <gasps> and I'm going like this, that, that, that becomes my beak, that short read goose call, whether it's a zinc or a Tim Grounds or whatever I'm using, I'm going, and I'm breathing in after every note. So it's just, it's fluid because geese talk in a goose rhythm. Mallards talk in a mallard rhythm. Where human beings go wrong is that we think we can change that, which we do in turkey hunting by the way that we call the gobbler to the hen, which is reverse, right? But we still keep the vocalizations the same. In duck and goose calling, what 
I hear a lot is that we get speedy, we get very hollow, we lose our pitch, we lose our tone, and we get what we call humanistic rhythm and humanistic cadences. So a duck will go, well, a human will get in there and go, and I'm not saying that won't get the duck's attention, but what we do is we try to change what is a goose or a mallard hen rhythm, and we try to put it into a humanistic rhythm or cadence, and that's not what we're supposed to be doing as game callers. We are supposed to be authentic as we possibly can be. And that's where that hot air open throat. Just think of it. I've just got punched in the stomach. Skip. I need some water or mouth to mouth, whatever you prefer. Pronto. Probably mouth to mouth. Skip. Listen, listen, listen. This is one air, Chris. This is one breath. And just then was my diaphragm out of air. But I did all of those little pops with my throat. And that's a great way to practice is how would Kermit the Frog blow a duck call or how would a singer blow a duck call? All my exes live in Texas. And it's the same, <laughs> it's the same thing, Skip, is that you're popping it like, and it's a great way that Chris put it, is that you do not go, you go, I'm just whispering after you knocked all the air after me af, out of me, and I'm trying not to move that Kleenex off the table. But we overblow calls. And when you open, when you don't open your throat, you tend to what, Chris? You overblow it like a saxophone, which is another wood-driven instrument. But you, your Kenny G is so fluent. He's he's just so <laughs> fluent, man. He just look at him. I mean, if you look at a flute player like Louis Armstrong, he looks like he's constipated for eight months. Kenny G's just like, oh man, he looks like he's making love to the stage up there. You're just like, God dang, he's awesome with the flowing locks and just like he's a beautiful man. But his saxophone playing is so simple and easy. It's just mac 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 mac. And when you watch Chris in the shop when he's tuning the call you're like i should punch you for how easy you're making that look because the sounds are so ducky so my point in this and i'll shut up is that if you just take hold on a second i'm sorry if you just take that little thing what chris just said and what i said about the roof of your mouth and the in your tongue and you practice this chris do that for me real quick please just go just do two ducks yeah, just, uh, well, I'm, I'm one that basically go when I'm blowing in a duck call. So. You can hear the pops clean as day. It's all one breath and you just, and that Kleenex is not moving. That is so, it's, it's, it's the easiest way to visualize it. And visualization is the key to success. When you're picturing ducks working your call the night before, you should be saying, if they get off this way, yep, 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 yep. They veer off a little bit. Get back in line. Now they're back in line. Now they're back in line. No, 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 no. And that's what they're doing. They're just bouncing and they're negotiating. And if you think about it, like you're that you're this the leader of the sympathy, like Beethoven or somebody up there was Beethoven. He was symphony, right? 
I'm not thinking of Pavarotti. I'm not thinking opera, which I can do that too if you want me to. Um, but if you think about the leader of a symphony, and he's up there going like this. That's what Chris does is the hunt leader. I'm listening. He's going, bah, 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 bah. and then all of a sudden I hear that and I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to follow it up with the same thing and I'm definitely not going to get on top of him. So I'm going to come and follow that up with a, and then he's going to hear that and he's going to go and you get all these badass hen mallards just going we own the ducks in the air and that's the visualization that you have to have as a duck hunter when you're picking that duck call out which is what we started this with is what are you trying to achieve Skip Knowles are you trying to throw the oils at the canvas to be a perfectionist to where when you look at Chris and me after Lexi brings back that banded mallard in the Biomeda of Arkansas, are you going to look at us and go, ah, eh, that was, you know, it was okay. He saw the spinning or not the spinning wing because those are illegal down there, but he saw the jerk cord. It was all right. Or are we going to go, oh my gosh, we scouted so perfect. We had our binoculars out last night on the, on the, uh, on the tailgates and we were looking where these ducks were congregating over these woods. We got to the boat ramp early. We beat everybody else to this hole. We were ready for them. We sounded like ducks. We moved like ducks. We looked like ducks. We kicked the water the way we we're supposed to. Our dogs did everything that they were supposed to. And when we're in that boat ride on the way back for breakfast at the cafe in Stuttgart, you're sitting there going, guys, we did it. We actually put together the perfect hunt. And now it becomes this obsession of like, we got to do it again tomorrow. And then you're like, oh my God, we screwed up today. We didn't do what we did yesterday, but that's what brings us back tomorrow because now we know we are a sponge. We go, Chris, we didn't sound very good today. Well, we are a little off today. Yeah, you know, we might've been a little tired, whatever it was. Our decoys weren't moving. We didn't find the current. You know what I'm saying, Chris? It becomes this thing to that duck call, buying that duck call at retail at Max Prairie Wings or Simmons or, or, or Rogers or wherever you go, final flight, wherever you're at, Skip, that's the beginning of, oh my gosh, I'm going to be involved in what's going to be the sympathy of my hunting world. I'm going to be involved in this, this, this whole audience of ducks is going to be listening to me and they're either going to love me and clap for me and die in my decoys, or they're going to keep going to the better music. And that's how I look at it. That's how I love the idea of picking out a duck call. You're not just picking out a duck call. You're, you're making your hunt. This is what we're all about. This is how we become duck hunters in this country. This thing right here separates the men from the boys when it comes to being a proficient duck caller, duck hunter, duck killer, duck cooker, duck eater. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. As bad as that might sound, this little apparatus, not just jargon, any duck call. If you can run this, you are going to be sought after because a lot of guys have been hired just to blow a duck call because they can own ducks and work them and read them and manipulate them and negotiate with them. So again, that's probably a little dramatized, Chris, but a duck hunt is a Shakespearean play. Skip, you're a writer. You got your, you got your plot and your storyline. You got your rising action. You got your climax. You got your falling action. Then you got your resolution and you got the boat ride back. Make it your own Shakespearean play by getting the right duck call that will absolutely light mallard ducks up on a daily basis. It might take three of them on your lanyard, but it can be done. I've seen it so much in different parts of this world that you just, there's not a better thing ever that known to man, except maybe childbirth, which I've never done that. I'm going to try someday, maybe, but there is nothing better than calling ducks down into your decoys, in my opinion. Can I get a hallelujah from both of you? Oh, absolutely. Amen. That's what it's all about, is, is fooling them. That's the only reason I go. I've told you time and time again, if it didn't involve a call, I'm not a participant guy. I'm a, I'm a leader. I try to be a leader. I want to lead. You know, 
And so when I go out there, you know, there's times that I get, if I get invited, you know, somewhere, that's one good thing too, is, is that if you get invited somewhere, you know, don't pick up your duck call until they tell you, Hey, look, you know, we, you want, we want you to blow. But nine times out of 10, if you can blow a duck call proficiently and you're really good on the duck call, they're going to tell you, Hey, look, they're going to invite you. They're going to invite be you invited back. A lot of places. Be invited back. Yeah. You'll get invited back. But you know, you talked about that and you got to be proficient on the duck call, but you also got to know, you got to know how to run it top to bottom, but being proficient on duck call and being a good duck caller doesn't necessarily mean that you, Hey, you can blow a top, duck call from top to bottom. One of the best guys that can blow a duck call. He won it in 2007, Rick Dunn. He's really good on a duck call, but he knows when and when not to blow the duck call. And that's the main thing too, is, is there's a lot of guys that go out there and they can run it. Boy, they can run it. But whenever they sit there and have birds that come in, they're not reading their ducks and they're not giving them what they want. There's a lot of days, a duck, duck, there's been days in the past that all they want is a feed call. That's it. All they want is a feed call. There's been days that they want a, a really quick cadence. I've had days to where they want it to where you just like that old uh, cut down call. You'll hit them when they go away. And that was the, just the final touch on it. They'll come just lighting into the decoy. So, you know, I want people to understand that too, is, is that you need to read your ducks. You need to know when and when not to blow that duck call too, because it's a tool just like anything else. And and, you know? and 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 part of that is such is is so important in what you're hitting on, Chris. And when you start to start talking about duck calling, we got to understand that it's the overall communication process. So you're reading body language, you're reading posturing, you're reading head movement, you're reading their feet, their wingtips, not just their wing motion, but the tips of their wings. You are literally visualizing what am I going? It's just like a shortstop in baseball. If there's a guy on first and the ball's hit to me, what am I doing? Am I turning two? Where am I playing? Am I playing deep? Am I playing up? Base is loaded. Am I throwing the ball home and trying to get a force play, double play at the catcher to first base? Always thinking point guard, same way, shooting guard. What am I doing if the ball comes to me? Am I shooting? Am I passing it down low to Shaq? If the ducks do this, I'm ready for this. So what does that tell you? If I know that this guy's getting ready to throw a change up, I might choke up a little bit. I might spread my feet out a little bit. I got to wait. I got to get my timing down more in the batter's box. As a duck hunter, you say, I got to get my jaw here. I got to get my tongue here. I got to get my throat ready for this. I got to get my hand in the right position. I got to get my elbow locked down. I got to get the snake head, venomous, you know, just right there. And if he does this or the, the lead duck does this and takes him away, I might have to hit him with the quicker duck. Or I might have to stand on the first note. Because the time, by the time that sound reaches them, they're another 150 yards past where you were when you first called at them. So you got to be visualizing all of this. You got to become a freaking negotiator of the ducks, the art of the deal. You got to feel it. You got to feel That's it, man. You got to you you just have it in your stomach, it. man. It's you the same it. thing with Chipper Jones. You know, Chipper Jones would be a switch hitter. He could sit there and hit. He felt it. He knew when one was going out before he even basically even swung the bat back. I mean, when they pulled back and that ball was coming, he could feel it. And it's the same the thing swagger. with a duck call. Whenever I take a duck, what's that? He's got the swagger. Duck callers got to have swagger. You don't yeah, have to be arrogant. You, Nobody's better than anybody. This is a fun deal. We're not competitive unless you're competing for the worlds or the meet or a, or a regional contest. That's competitive. This is duck hunting. This is blessing to be able to do it. So why not be the absolute best you can be when that oil is on that canvas, that masterpiece is like, yeah, you sounded good. You, 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 you grad, you know, like you, I, I, I don't know how many times I've looked for accreditation from you or acceptance from you or Keith Allen or Christian Curtis or John or Jimbo. Like I look at him like, man, 
Do they even hear that I'm trying to sound like a duck over here? It's like you want that. You want to be accepted into the, 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 the Hall of Fame. Not the Hall of Fame. That's a dumb way to say it. But just the brotherhood of duck callers. Like what you said. Are you good enough to blow with Team Echo? Are you good enough to go and blow with Chris Cifrio? I think I am. But maybe I'm not. But you got to get there. You got to keep practicing. So sorry for interrupting you. But that's what I was saying is you got to feel it. You got to love it. You got to eat it, man. It's every day. It's wearing your wife out, your girlfriend, your mom, your dad. It's getting kicked out of your house on several occasions for never putting your duck call down. I've been pulled over by police officers because they think that this is something besides a duck call. If you picture what I'm saying, Skip. Yeah. That's in Colorado. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying as far as on. On feeling it, it's just like with a conversation. If I'm coming up to you and we hadn't seen each other in a while and we sit there, hey, I meet you at a gas station or whatever, I see you walk by and I'm like, hey, man, what's up, Chad? How you been doing? The whole time I'm reading you, I'm reading you and you're reading me. Believe it or not, but that's how humans do. They're like, man, you get back in your truck and you're like, man, he kind of, that was kind of weird, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, or, or so forth. You know, you kind of read that person. And it's the same thing with duck call. You know, whenever you're in the woods, that's the whole thing I'm trying to do is, and I hate to say it, but I don't talk politics. I don't talk anything while I'm in the duck woods. I talk duck hunting, you know. But you're kind of, but you are on a different level of nerd and geekstrom, though. I am. You're a a geek. Like you, you are, you might as well be Lewis and Gilbert and Revenge of the Nerds on that computer or them two dudes, Anthony Michael Hall, when they created the chicken weird science. You're absolutely right, Chet. You're absolutely right. You remember that movie? I love that movie. But you're a geek in the woods, and that is so... Um, enlightening that is so refreshing to see that somebody can take this that serious and still have a blast even when they don't kill them you're still geeking out over oh man i wonder what we would have happened if we'd have been 100 yards that way well maybe you should have picked up and moved over there well we couldn't why well he's, he's on crutches and don't have a crutch get a single read you know relating back to that don't use excuses you got to think out of the box like we have said so many times chris like how can this hunt be more productive let's think outside of the box let's do something different maybe it's the wrong angle the sun's hitting us wrong we're in the wrong spot they might be seeing a little tiny bit of something they don't like don't be afraid to make changes if the first couple flocks aren't responding to your call or reacting or finishing the way that you want to again you got to feel it you got to eat, sleep, and breathe this, man. Duck hunting is not something that is for, you can be a weekend warrior, but you got to be a solid weekend warrior to get everything out of it. So that gear issue, when you open it up, how I referred to it as the Bible is just that we're telling them, guys, these are the duck calls that are out there for you. Here's what they're made out of. Here's they're CNC, they're hand tuned, they're, they're acrylic, they're wood, they're dipped, they're, 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 they're molded, they're poly injection, they're double read, they're single read. There's all this different stuff out there. So I wanted to get it across the skip. And we talked about duck calling that when you see those pages full of those beautiful duck calls and that beautiful magazine laid out by OSG and you open wildfowl up this week and next week, and you're getting ready for the dog days of summer to get done and get on the September teal hunt. Think about what you're trying to do with that call. Picture that hunt and figure out different things. How's the customer service? How's the warranty stuff on it? How's the instruction? Is there content available through that company to help me with this duck call? If I message them, do I get a response back? How about the feel-good parts of the human psyche of communication and transparency? Is this duck call company just pushing them out there? Or do we really care about each and every customer that comes through our door? I know Rich and Tone does. I know Rick Dunn does. You got to make sure that that customer, when you're looking at what call to buy, do your 
your due diligence. It's hard-earned money. You're going to spend $115 to $175 on a custom duck call. You're going to get millions and millions of dollars of memories and storytelling out of that duck call. Okay? You're, that's what it's going to provide for you. It's a good investment for the, RO, for the return. The ROI is solid on a $150 duck call. But... Do your due diligence. Listen to us here. Paint that picture. Is it a jargon? Is it a rich and tone? Is it an echo? Is it a zinc? Is it a death row? Whatever it is. There's so many of them. Do your due diligence and find the right fit for you. Feel it in your guts. Oh my gosh. Did you just hear Chris, what he said on the phone call to me today? He said that we could come by the shop and we're over there and he'll sit down with us and do this. John Stevens or Butch used to sit in there for hours and give instruction to kids all over Arkansas. People bring their kids from miles around. Figure out the company and the brand that you want to represent and, and, and have that duck call around on your lanyard. It's not just about all of them are made out of acrylic. All of them have a reed in them. All of them probably got a band on them. But figure out what makes this duck call different from a, a short barrel. What makes this duck call different from a daisy cutter or an MVP or a, or a cut down call in the Mondo and all of the stuff that John and Jim are building and everything that Rick's building. There's a lot of differences. And then you're going to become so eaten up with it. You're going to have one of each. So you might as well just start buying them all this year. One of every one that you see in the gear issue because you're going to do it no matter what. You really are. Huh, Skip? You're fanatic. You collect them, don't you? Like having too many guns, right? I don't know if there's a such oh, Speaking of guns, have you guys seen these two? I saw you whenever you were doing the throat. You were like, the throat right here. Which way to the beach? Yeah. Yeah. Skip, you look like you've been pumping some iron, dude. I'm telling you. Dang. Skip, Skip Schwarzenegger over there. You got a wide angle camera on there? You can just Do switch I? Out. I Really home without one. What's your uh, what's your question, Skip? I like that hat. What's the B stand for on that hat? Um, Bandit. Bandit. <laughs> what's your question, Skip? Oh, um, I just want a little more information on uh, on on overdoing it. Like Clint Eastwood said, you know, a man needs to know his limitations. So. Next Fred Zink wannabe's been driving around, 20-year-old guy in his two-wheel drive, 1982 um, Toyota pickup down the dirt roads all summer long, honking on his $150 call. He starts to sound pretty good. He has some confidence in his call. He goes out. He's calling the ducks. You talk about um, when when to when do you back off? Tell people about a little bit about when to uh, when you're overdoing it. So so they're flying by. You, they break their neck. They look down at you. You know to hit them on the corners. Talk a little bit about when to back off because it feels so good to blow that call all the time. I, I, I think that, first of all, if we're talking about the woods, there's a lot of calling that can take place in the woods. Like you referred to it as chumming or rattling the woods, shaking the woods, getting their attention that you might not necessarily see them. I don't know how many ducks pass overhead when we're not paying attention that we could have had a shot at if we're just blowing our call a little bit more. Um, or if you're on the X and they're coming there. So, but there is something to be said about that question, Skip, and I'll let Chris talk, but I think that there, there, that calls can be overblown. I think that ducks can be given too much and it depends on things. What's the wind? What's the sun? What's the shadows? Is it foggy? What's the, what's the air like? Is it a dead day? Is it a live day? Is your call bouncing off the trees? Um, there's just so much that goes on, um, that, that you have to think about of what those ducks are actually hearing up there by the time they process that sound. And 
are you reading them? Because if they keep going and keep going, you might stay on them a little bit to try to hit them with a note that might go, wow, we got to go check that out. But if they're coming at you and you hit a note that kind of scares them away and you stay on them, like there, you can over, you can overblow a duck call and overblow a hole in a heartbeat. So you have to figure out by looking at their posturing and their body language of what are they telling you? If they're saying, Hey, I like what you're giving me. You don't need to give them anymore. You don't need to start showing off and just be like, Oh, I, I'm in the middle of the sweet child of mine solo, but I think I'm going to go into Bohemian Rhapsody just because the audience is into it. It wouldn't make a lot of sense for slash to do that. Right? So I'm looking at like, if they're loving what Chris is saying, I'm not going to go in there and go, da, 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 Chad's here and every duck's going to listen to me now. I'm going to go, Chris, just keep working them. I might give him a little compliment, right? Mac, 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 mac. But I'm not going to go in there and give him too much. So you got to really read. And that's the thing about team calling and, and practicing in the off season is that's a whole other gamut in itself is learning how to be a good team caller to get invited back to where they're like, hey, put that in your pocket. You don't want to ever hear that. It's like, hey, your dog, you need to leave him in the kennel, right? Or whatever. That you don't want to hear that. You want to be proficient with your dog. Your dog's got to be good. He can't whine. He can't squeal during a hunt. Four ducks come in, like Chris Aiken said. It. You got 30 of them working. Four light land on the water. Your dog's trying to run out there and break and squealing. Those ducks light. They scare the other ones out of the area. Now Chris has got to call the shot into those four when we had a chance at those 40. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You're responsible for that. So just learn to read it. Be Bring your best A game. And, and Chris, I'll let you talk on that, but there is a such thing as overblowing, right, Chris? Absolutely. You know, to answer his question, what I think is the biggest thing is, is always look at their wing beat. You know, look at their wing beat. If their wing beat's slowing down, and normally whenever birds come over the top of the timber and they've been staging there, they're going to come over the top of the timber and just going to barely have any wing beat. You're just going to see them just flutter, okay? But a bird that, you know, whenever they're migrating, you see them, they're just they're getting it, you know? So watch that wing beat. If the wing beat starts to pick up, nine times out of 10, they're getting out of dodge. So check that out. Check and see if that drake is looking down, you know, or basically doing that drake whistle. Hey, giving that confidence call back. You know, get that read from them. There's a lot of things that you just – you can't learn unless you're out there watching birds constantly. It's like trying to tell somebody, you know, how to distinguish a, a mallard between a widgeon or – I'm out between a pintail. If you hadn't been out there and you can't really take it hands on, you, you just can't do it. It's kind of hard to explain to somebody else. You can look on a piece of paper all day long, but unless you sit there and know their wing beat, know their pattern, know their silhouette shape in the sky, you can't explain it. But that being said, the main thing is, is just hours and hours and hours of being in the field and trying to be the best that you can possibly be. It's just like I said, you walk up to Chad I sit there and I'm constantly reading that person. If I'm trying to get permission from Chad and he has a piece of property that I want to hunt, if he comes off at me real abrasive, I'm probably not even going to ask him if I can hunt his land. So that's the same thing I'm doing with ducks is if I give them a little bit and they turn and they're starting to you know head off, well, if they're going away from me, hey, look, might as well. Just go ahead and give them as much as you can possibly give them to try to turn them around and convince them back. But if they're coming at me, like Chad said, and I'm giving them a little bit. A lot of people will sit there and keep on blowing and blowing and blowing and blowing. If they're already coming at you, why do you want to keep on blowing? They're doing what you want them to do. It's a pride so, thing. There's a lot of pride in this because I don't know how many times I've been laying in a pea field in Saskatchewan or Alberta or in a cornfield in Fargo or a marsh in South Dakota or the Boise River or the Snake River in Idaho. I could keep going. And ducks just drop into your decoys when you're over there cooking biscuits. So you got to tell yourself as a duck hunter, I don't know how many times in the timber we've been taking pictures and 18 of them light behind us and we got them in the picture when we're taking picture with a bunch of their dead cousins. 
I don't know how many times it's happened with no duck calling going on at all. So you have to ask yourself, what are we really doing? Well, exactly. one, one is I got this duck call and I'm proficient with it. I've been practicing my butt off. So you know what? I'm going to make it part of the hunt because you can control them and manipulate them. Now, when they're working horizontally and they're making fell, false runs, like my good friend and mentor Dave Stanley calls them over peas or over corn and they're doing this, they work vertically down into trees or in water most of the time. But over dry field, they'll get down and they'll start doing this. False runs. They'll come at you. Okay, then they'll go out and you turn them and they come back. Pretty soon they get comfortable. A lot of that is the communication that you're doing. But a lot of times you'll be laying there and four of them will be cupped up and they won't they won't skip a beat and land right in your decoys. And you can call the shot without picking your call up. So ask yourself, do I want to overblow and be that guy? Do I want to not blow and be that guy? Or do I want to add something to the hunt and just be tactful and tasteful in my approach and in my presentation of my jargon, my words, my vocalizations? If Chris is doing this, if the ducks are doing this, just give them what they want. But you got to tell yourself, you might be overdoing it. You might not be doing enough. You got to read them. You got to feel it like we said before. Because in reality, you could probably kill a limited ducks if you're in the right hole in places some days without a duck call. But the communication process is used on those ducks that you don't have a chance on you know what i'm saying those high ducks those ones you're trying to break ones you're trying to pull off of somebody else's spread a duck, that's when communication and reading them and negotiating and vocalizations come into effect so you just got, again when you're picking out that duck call you got to be like am i just going to be in the background just making a couple pups or am i going to be the guy out front going and just you know you got to ask yourself chris and then you're going to say all right, well, I'm going to dedicate this much time to practice and I'm going to understand what that Kleenex drill means. I'm going to understand what an open throat and hot air means because it's so hard because 90% of rookies that pick up a duck call don't know what that means and they go the same thing like a kazoo when that one of them party favors rolls out of the end and then rolls back up you know those things that you that you told me i sound like a lot that's what's going to happen most of the time if you don't understand hot air and everything that we've gone over today. Yeah. and we've just scratched the surface in 60 minutes we've scratched the surface of what those pages of wildfowl are presenting to a person for he, him or her duck hunting career Skip, why are you giving me so many choices? Why, as an editor-in-chief of Wildfowl, Skip, and as good as you are and as many hunts as you've been on, why don't you just put one duck call in there that people should buy? Well, you can't because you got to pay the bills. Other advertisers are in there. you got to take it into account for everything. So they're going to put in there what is working for Wildfowl. And now it's our job as duck call creators and duck call makers to say, hey, here's what we offer at Jargon. I know that John and Jimbo have built a legacy at Rich and Tone. Their calls are badass. The customer service is badass. And the legacy and the story is badass. So why wouldn't you buy a Rich and Tone? I buy a Rich and Tone. I own several of them. But I'm also a fanatic about duck calls and the history of duck calls. Not as, mu not as much as some, but you just got to ask yourself, Skip Knowles, why am I buying this duck call? And then start doing the due diligence of what it takes and then jump in because the water's fine. But once you make that move of buying that duck call, pretty much a lot of things in life become non-existence. And I'm telling you that that's the truth, right, Chris, these things will control you until you get it down. And here I am 20 years after I started blowing one and I'm nowhere near where, where I could be on a duck call because there's so much awesome stuff to learn every time you freaking pick it up. So that's kind of my two cents. It's, it's not a simple question. Well, what do you look for in a duck call when you go to buy one? There's a lot. There's a lot. You got to freaking break it down. Don't make it complicated. Just start doing your due diligence. 
Call the shop. Talk to him. Say, hey, why? What, what's the difference between a daisy cutter and a short mouth? What's the difference between a small talk and a loud mouth? If I ask you that, Chris, you'll be like, boom, 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 boom. The tolerances are this. The, the keyhole's this. The, the drill hole's this. The, it, this is why it's louder. This is why you're getting more volume. But you're also going to say stuff like this. Let me tell you this, customer. Skip. The loud mouth is a more difficult call to master. It's more, it's a more difficult call to get a hold on. You got to be even more advanced on the loud mouth than you do the small talk. So you got to tell these guys all of that. You got to be transparent with them. Well, what about the icebreaker? Well, here's why you would want a double read, but here's why I would say don't get the double read. And we've already gone over that today. So there's a lot of knowledge and, and input and, and content out there. You just got to find it. And this magazine is the first step in that because the people are going to open up and go, oh, wow, look at that color. Wonder what it sounds like. Then is there a sound file somewhere? Does Wildfowl have them on their website? They're about to. Does, does Jargon? Heck yeah. Does Rich and Tone? Heck yeah. Go do the work. It's just like buying a car. You don't walk in there and, hey, give me that one over there. You, don't, you, you take a test drive, right? You freaking do your due diligence. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. That, I mean, that's exactly. The biggest thing is, like you said, what choosing a duck call is, is, is if, it, and, and again, the biggest thing that comes in is what 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 place in the world, what place in the United States, what place in the world you are you hunting? You know, we we've shipped them all over the place, Canada, so forth, New Zealand. But that being said, where are you hunting? What are your conditions? You know, there's nothing more gratifying than getting them to put their feet down. But it all depends on where you're hunting at. I like to hunt traffic. I've told you that time and time again. I don't hunt a lot of staging ducks. I think staging. Ducks are probably the one of the hardest birds to kill or be consecutively kill them over and over and over again and just stay on them. But I can stay on traffic. And whenever you break those ducks and you get them down, nine times out of ten, like I said, you're going to be able to finish them. But the main thing is, is have a duck call that can get out and reach and touch them. And I promise you, and I, I, I swear upon this, there is not a I've, – I've just changed a few and tweaked a few things on that loudmouth to make it a little bit louder, okay? Because we call it loudmouth, of course. But I tweaked a few things to make it a little bit louder, and there is not, in my opinion, and I've seen and I've blown pretty much every duck call that there is demand. There's not another duck call out there that is loud as that one with being a 10,000 mile or route. That duck call is streaming loud. And... It's not a duck call to be blown on steel days. You know, it's a duck call to get their attention. We we cover it from top to bottom. You need a duck call to be able to sound like a cut down call, to be able to and really get aggressive with and get a hard, hard feed. That's the loud mouth. You can still get quiet on the bottom end, but it's not going to be nearly as quiet. And you're going to have to be way more advanced to be able to get quiet on a loud mouth than on a, say, a small talk or the other calls. But a small talk is a step down. It's going to be a step down. It's going to be not a mid-range call, but it's just like I'd say we got a full choke, we got a three-quarter, and, you know, going to an improved and so forth all the way down. That's how I would kind of classify all of our calls at. Of course, the chit-chat, and we've got two new calls that we'll be releasing pretty soon. But the back, the chit-chat is basically a call that's going to have the tightest bore. We're not going to have any – and I can say we're not going to have any ever, but it's kind of hard to get another call that's going to be quieter than the chit chat. The chit chat's got that tight, tight volume. It's real easy to blow and so forth. But and you it's need so, to be, and it's so freaking ducky. I don't want that to go. So, so it's ducky. so ducky. It's, the boss hen is unbelievable. unbelievable. Unreal.
And and, and I don't want I don't want to turn this into that that everything is jargon because it's not. There's there's good calls everywhere. But what I, what I'm getting out of what you're saying is that's what the customer needs. That skip right there is the information that you need to seek out from all of these duck call manufacturers and then use your ability to decipher who really knows what they're talking about. That dude right there knows what he's talking about when it comes to machining and tolerances and you know, all the constrictions and the measurements and the precision and everything. That, and then you'd start talking about cutting a reed and sanding a reed and stand, sanding a tone board and just in the spit grooves and taking a little bit off here. That's the guy I, I would, I've never seen anything like it. And I've been around a lot of good duck call makers. I'm not saying he's the best ever, but in a way I'm saying he's probably the best ever of all time in the history of the world. And I mean that. So that's why we're doing what we do. So that's, if you call and you get that out of a rich and tone and an echo, which they're going to have the same knowledge. It just depends on what you're looking for and what they sell you on and what they back it up with. There's no arguing here that there's a lot of good duck calls, but what he said just now has me going, man, I know that I, I, what do, what do you mean? The, the bore and, and the bore size and the volume and the loud mouth and the difference in the small talk. I love that stuff. That's geeking out. And that's what you should do when you're buying a duck call. It's not going in and saying, oh, it's either a Kit Kat or a Snickers. They're both good. They're both going to give you a little bit of peanut in this one, a little bit of wafer in this one. Well, it's not the same in a duck call. You like that. You, I said peanuts and wafers, Skip. Exactly. <laughs> that's not duck calls. That, that's the name of your book, Chris Sifrio. Peanuts are not, peanuts and wafers, not duck calls. I'm getting, I'm getting so fired up about duck season right now thinking about it. But hearing you talk is what the customer needs to do, Skip. They need to do their due diligence. And they need to call these companies. Some might call back. Some might take the call. I remember when I was coming up, Fred Zink told this story on my podcast a couple months ago. <laughs> his phone would ring, and it was when caller ID first came out. And his wife, Dawn, would look at it and look at Freddie and go, it's that weirdo from Reno again. <laughs> and Freddie, Freddie, you know what, you know what Freddie told Dawn? Answer it. You know why? Because he loved the passion. And I wore him out. You know, it's impossible to hear somebody's pitch and their tone over the phone. Impossible. You can hear their cadence a little bit, but you can't tell if they're really getting duck. And he'd sit there and listen to my goose call and my duck call. And then I'd call Tim Grounds and he down, John, down in Johnsonville, Illinois. Hey, bub. He'd know who it was before he picked up. Tim, this chat. I know who it is. Let me hear it. He already knew I was asking him to hear my call. And all, all these years later, I sit there and go, good night. Those guys actually were taking time out of their busy days to listen to this dork from Reno, Nevada that had no idea what he was doing. Just loved duck hunting. Cause I saw six gadwall get spun on a dime by a guy named Jim Ray at the sleeper mine in flooded sagebrush below a gold mine in Nevada, way out East of Reno. And when I saw those gadwalls spin on a dime on his call, when he went, Mah, 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 I went and bought Duckman of Louisiana. I went and bought a Mossberg 835 ultra mag. I went and bought the baddest ass Columbia old school jacket. And I was, I had neoprene waders and I showed up at duck camp. A lot of guys giggled at me because I was that nerd and I was new, but I was so eaten up with it because of those seven gadwalls or however many it was that spun on a dime that day when Jim hit that, 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 that cadence of just Mah, 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 and bark down. And they spun around, fluttered down the decoys, get them. And here we go, stood up and just went to work on them. And that's, that to me is like having Tim and Fred do that for me back in the day and getting to hunt the, the Russell McCollum's Wildlife Acres with John Stevens when he guided there and getting invited out there when I was on the RNT competition team. I blew in the worlds three times, got laughed off the stage every single time. I qualified twice, Skip, because John David Stanley blew the light in Nevada and I won the Nevada State Championship on two DQs. Not Dairy Queen, Skip. Don't get hungry on me. I'm talking about getting disqualified. And I literally... Was was on stage and I was in the on the on deck circle. Guess who was in front of me? My second year in Stuttgart, 
John Stevens. How do you follow that up? But you know what? I went out there and smiled at all 6,000 people in their camouflage jackets. And I, you know what, the bed. But I loved it. And it opened doors. And it gave me the, that, that there is life out there, like Reba McIntyre said in that awesome country song of the late 80s, early 90s. And I was like, there's life out there. This is duck hunting. This is the culture. I didn't care that I was getting smoked. I was learning. And you got to do it. You got to have brass monkey, you know what, cojones, and just go out there and be like, I'm doing it. I'm going to go and I'm going to learn how to blow a duck call. So that's my two cents, man. Don't be afraid to call Tim Grounds when he was alive because I wasn't. Hey, bub, what are you doing? <laughs> hear him sucking on that Marlboro light. What are you doing, bub? Let me hear it. And he would tune a call for me and, and engrave it. And I got them all in my studio. I got a Tim Ground shrine because of what the time he spent with me meant everything. So a kid coming up today or a young girl might call Chris and go, hey, I got some questions on the loudmouth. What did you mean on that podcast? And he's going to answer him with passion and dignity and, and honesty and transparency. And it's going to be a good buy if they buy a jargon. It's going to be a good buy if they buy a rich and tone. Just know what you want. Find out the information and then go start practicing. I used to stand at the call, the, the call counter at Max and wear people out. People go in there and wear me out now. I'm like, oh, dang. But I can't get mad because that was me. And this dude's 14 and I was 29 doing it. So that tells you like this 29-year-old up there, bald-headed dude with a little bit of a gut, mainly good-looking guy, a little bit of Brad Pitt in me, a little bit of Tom Selleck. But I was like, I was just standing there at that duck call counter getting laughed at, getting laughed at. That's a pretty good description of myself, right, Chris? But that's yeah. what I'm trying to say is that it's so fun and there's so much to be learned. You can't go open wildfowl. Pick one, go buy it, do, do your due diligence, call us, listen to these podcasts, go watch John Stevens hunt over call on RNTV or listen to Jimbo give a tip and then say, I'm going to go with that one. You're going to end up buying them all. Just know that going into this, you're going to buy more than one. It might not be a jargon today, but it will be tomorrow. It might be a rich and tone, but it might be a, a, a zinc in, in three weeks or two years. Just know that, that this is addicting. Okay. So you can't say. There's just one way to, to tell somebody, here's how you buy a duck call. I think that we've covered a lot of good bases today. I think that we, we, we gave some people some enlightenment on why they need to read the gear issue and see what's being written about these calls and what the functionality of them is and what the, what, how they're made and where they're made and who they're made by and what the qualifications are. But at the end of the day, pick up that phone with your unlimited data in minutes and call and just say, look, I'm looking for a call. And you're going to find the information. I promise you, if they call our shop, they're going to—they're probably going to get wore out by listening to us. But it's—it's it's, really who's who's working hard, who's geeking out, what call companies are setting themselves apart. Go with the company that makes you feel like you're part of their culture, and that you're going to be able to get the information. Because you might need to call back in a week, and your guts fell apart, and you might need to know how to put them back together. Well, guess what, Skip? We got a video right now out there that shows you how to do that. And so that you got to decide for yourself. Rich and Tone has so much content out there. Just f find the, the right fit. Is that fair to say, Chris? Absolutely. That's the main thing is it's, it's the after sale. It's about being able to call back and be able to talk to somebody and getting the time of the day. You know, I didn't, I, I, that's exactly what I did whenever I was young. I actually was in, you know, born and raised in Baton Rouge, lived in Crowley, lived in Baton Rouge, uh, went out till I was about 27, 28 years old, uh, and then moved from there up to here. But that being said, whenever I was really seeking out information and wanting to get as much information I can possibly have is I'd go to the Echo shop and I would talk to the Echo boys and I talked to Rick Dunn and so forth. And, you know, I had to kind of come back to Baton Rouge and learn on my own as far as how to blow a duck call, but I got the basics and I got the start 
of what I needed to start doing. And I can't tell you enough is the biggest thing is, is with learning the duck call to blow a duck call is, is you just got to practice. And if it doesn't sound right, if you feel like, cause I don't have to ask somebody if that sounds right. Does that sound I good? Do. I do. But I don't, I don't know why. Maybe but I got different ears. Because, because, because you're so proficient because you've reached that level that your ear is so trained because you blow hundreds of minutes a day and that's what it takes. It's it not does. overnight. It's not, you could be, be given God given talent like John David was, but that dude was, you wanted to literally like throw him off a cliff. Cause he blew the call wherever oh, we yeah. were, it's, he would wear you out. So I'm asking you, Chris, how does this sound? Can you hear this? Good. He's in his own world. We'll just leave him alone. <laughs> singing, in a, singing in a closet over there. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's in that little, just that, that, that spot, you know? <laughs> yeah, if you don't think duck colors are weird, you got to see this. Oh, my goodness. We're going to take a moment of silence for Chad right now and just let him do his thing. You were over there. We couldn't hear a thing, man. You were just up there. Yeah. Did it blow out? Yeah, it just blew out, but we just let you go. You know, you're in that this, that spot. <laughs> Dang it. I wanted, to, I wanted you to hear it. It sounded really good on this end. I, love I don't the know why it's cutting out on that end, but does it cut? Is it cutting out on this end whenever I blow into a call? A little bit. Yeah. Same thing. Sounds yeah. like I'll cut out. I make every call stick. And that's <laughs> it's cutting out. Yep. We got to wow, figure that, is, that out. That is so weird. Hold on a second. What time is it? Oh, we got to go, Chris. Um, we're, I'm, I'm going to cut all this part out of that, of that calling. Then I'll have it edited out and I'll, I'll make a smooth transition. I, I won't even ask that question of how do I sound, but that that's it guys. That's what we're talking about. It's, it's, it's doing your due diligence, getting something that's comfortable, a company and a brand that you want to stand behind because you're going to take a lot of pride in your duck call. It's going to be, um, a, it's going to be a, something that you hold with pride. It's going to be a, something that people are going to look at and go, man, I wonder if that dude, or I wonder if that girl can run that call. Just be able to run it, be able to back it up, practice, Find the call that suits you. Get the company that suits you. Get the wildfowl. Read up on these new designs coming out this year. And then go to work on calling these companies. Send them direct messages with the way that we can. I could I could send The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. I would smoke that dude in a wrestling match. But he doesn't know that yet. <laughs> but I want to let him know that. And I can tell him that by hiding behind a little name on a keyboard with keyboard muscle and going, listen, rock, you know yeah. what I'm cooking? I'm cooking up something right now for you, boy. And he'd go, who are you? But at least I get, there is so easy. We could send a message to whoever we want now. Right? So 
message us, ask us questions. What is the chit chat? Why is it called the chit chat? What is the difference between a chit chat and a loud mouth? Call John Stevens, get somebody on the phone over there, get Rusty, get Jimbo. Rusty's a hoot. The dude is hilarious. I love him like a brother from another mother. A little bit hard to talk to, need a bouncing ball at the bottom for subtitles, just like with you a little bit, Chris. But the point is, is that they are going to give you the knowledge that is needed to buy that duck call. So, uh, that's all I'm saying. I want to end it like that, that the Wildfowl magazine is out. Look at the calls in there and then go to work and call us. Call Jargon. Call Rich and Tone. Call Freddie Zink. Call somebody. Call Field Hud and all at, at Field Proven Calls and, and talk to them about what they're making and why they're making it and what the benefits are and what's going to come with that buying experience because that's really what you're buying is an experience. So if you buy it on Amazon or you buy it at Max or if you buy it at Simmons or you buy it at Final Flight figure out how to get get the best out of that buying experience that you can and become so proficient that your duck hunting experiences are that's just story after story after memory after memory. That's it. That's how it is. That's what Wildfowl is all about. That's what Chris Cifrio is all about. I would make up a freestyle rap about Chris right now, but we're out of time, pal. Like Batman says in the comic book, I won't take a second look when I'm going to buy a call. Why fall? Like the fall guy, like Lee Majors. I wish I would have played baseball in the majors, but I wasn't good enough. So I got the stuff to blow a duck call. But Chris says, Chad, you don't sound like a duck. So that's enough. Put the call back in your pocket. But like Axl Rose, I'm a rocket queen. Oh, I got it going on like Freddie Mercury, like Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm going to end it like that. This is Wildfowl, the gear issue 2020. I'm CB from Reno NV. I do it real B-I-G, real VIP. I got a duck call by my boy Chris Cifrio. Uh, Ron, that's the end of that rap. Guys, this has been another edition of the Foul Life podcast with Chris Cifrio from Jargon Game Call, Skip Knowles from Wildfowl the gear issue this is the wildfowl gear issue series right here brought to you by our friends at osg and wildfowl magazine chris cifrio any closing words uh, did you like the rap first of all and anything else to the call community i was just thinking if this don't work out for you you could probably do a cab to where you can ride around and be like hey look would you like to get in and listen to a little bit of bebop rap or whatever but that being said i'll, I'll tell people this is is the main thing with a duck call is is buy one and get one blow one Get the one that you're going to take to the woods that you're going to be the most confident with. It's all about confidence. It's all about having something that's going to make you confident in blowing your duck call. That's that's how my that's why I have a reed that's a little bit longer than when I blow around the house. I can take one duck call. I was doing it the other day. I was sitting there in the shop and I told Curtis, I said, I can blow this duck call all day long in the shop. But when I go home for some reason, I get outside and I want to get really, really aggressive, I tend to overblow it. And I like a little bit longer read. And that's what happens when I'm in the duck woods is, is I want a call that I'm not going to get over the top of. It's going to give me that confidence. It's gonna, not going to make me, you know, blow it out and be able to lean on it because I like to lean on it whenever I'm sitting there in the woods. But buy a call. Well, it's, it's gonna you're going to have your adrenaline going. You're going to have different feelings yeah. going through your body than you are in the living room. When you get in the woods and you feel that wind at your back and that sunshine, the decoys are rocking, the water's moving, you're going to tend to overblow it because your excitement, your adrenaline. So do what Chris is saying. That is geeking out right there to know that you can lengthen that read and dog ear it the way that you want it. And get yeah. it. You can customize a call when you're working with the right call company. So give us a call at Jargon. Call John and Jimbo at Rich and Tone. Call Freddie Zink. Call Phil Dino. Call Rick Dunn at Echo. Call any of those call companies that you see supporting the wildfowl gear issue 2020 21 duck season it's upon us and let's just keep our fingers crossed and pray to the good lord upstairs the duck gods also that we get to travel and hunt ducks this year keep your family safe skip Knowles, wildfowl magazine any closing words 
I just have enjoyed this so much uh, more than um, it's been like going to duck college, going through this wildfire gear issue with you. And, and the, these panels of experts, you just learn so much every time, every time my blood pressure just spikes. I love your route is great. But what I really get pumped is when you get rolling, start pro- proselytizing like you're on the pulpit. You got to give your heart to the Lord. <laughs> yeah. And I look outside and it's 90 degrees and buggy. And it's like, Ah, but it's a nice little escape. I learn a lot every time and I hope, hope the listeners do too. I'm sure. I hope they do too. And it's like, it's like Eddie Murphy and coming to America, sexual chocolate. I believe the children are the future. The boy, good. The boy, good and terrible donations, donations. I thought he said the trash. Remember that, you know how that movie is hilarious. Go watch Boomerang. I'm not Boomerang. Go watch Coming to America, guys. As long as you're of age, it's got nasty words in it. Chad Belding, Chris Cifrio, Skip Knowles, Wildfowl edition of the Foul Life podcast. Look for your new gear issue of Wildfowl right now. The Duck Hunter, the Goose Hunter Bible. Check out the duck calls in there. Thank you guys so much for all the support of Jargon, the Foul Life, Bandit, all of our brands. We truly appreciate the support. Tom, hit that button. This is 2 a.m. Logic. The song is called My Foul Life, written by yours truly. I'm trying to become a musician, so please buy this on iTunes to support my career. We're out. Thank you all very much.